Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. We're going to read uh, John 1, verse 43 through 46. And the word says this. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. I want you to not slap your neighbor, but turn to your neighbor and say this. Can anything good come out of this? Can anything good come out when nothing's left? Let's pray. Lord, we bless you and we thank you, O God, for who you are and what you do and what you, what you give to us, O God. We thank you, O God, because you are our portion. You are our treasure. You are the one who fills us up, O God. You pour out of yourself, O God, into us so that you may flow through us, O God. And I just thank you, O God. I thank you for the privilege and the honor of being here. I thank you for the privilege and the honor of being your voice here this morning, O God. I bless you and I ask you, O God, that everyone here may have an open heart, an open mind, just to hear what you're trying to say here today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So we're going to ask the same question again. We're going to say, can anything good come out of this? I want to hear you guys. It's, come on, it's the last Sunday of January. Can anything good come out of this? And then you're going to say, come and see, it's in my core. I want us to hear you guys say it again. Come and see, it's in my core. It's very interesting to me how the little things that we have within us, we hesitate when we feel like we have nothing else to give. Nothing else to give. And, and of course, my children are my life story and they're my antidotes. And a few weeks ago, Amariah was not feeling well. And she woke up at 1 o'clock in the morning, and she came directly to me because dad will not even open his eyes. That's not a, I'm not, you know, taking jabs. I'm just saying, right? She comes to me. I'm on the sofa with her from 1 to 5 o'clock in the morning. She's coughing. She's sneezing. She's doing all this goodness. And I'm like, Lord, what are we doing here? She was sick. I took her to the doctor, common cold. I was like, geez, Louise, this common cold is kicking her butt. And I'll tell you how I know she was kicking her butt, because that morning I asked her to do something, and there was no sassiness, no fight or anything. She said, okay, mommy, no problem. I almost fell off the sofa. I said, oh, my goodness, this is what it looks like to have a compliant child. (laughs) So we went to the doctor, and MRI is very good. The doctor gives her instructions, and she follows them at four years old. She's like, Mom, the doctor said I have to do this. The doctor said I have to do that. We have to do this. And I said, oh, okay, no problem. Towards the end of the evening, after she kind of relaxed all day, I said to her, hey, let me, let's make you some tea. And she's like, tea? I said, yeah, let's make you some tea. It's good for you. 
And she said, okay, so the only tea I had was green tea. And green tea is very bitter, right? It's not like cameo that's this like soft aroma, this little sweetness. It's very bitter. So I said to myself, okay, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give you some honey. I'm going to put some honey in your green tea. You're going to love it. And she's like, I'm not drinking that. Yes, you are. You're going to drink it. You're going to feel better. It makes you feel better. So I go to the cupboard. I have the, bo the pot boiling. And I say to myself, let me go to get the, to the pantry. I go into the pantry and I say, oh, my goodness, where's the honey? I call John. Do you know where the honey is? I need to find the honey. I find the honey, and there's about this much honey in the jar. I don't know about you guys. Have you ever tried to get honey out of the jar when you flip it over? When it's full, it takes its sweet time. When it's almost empty, forget it. At this point, I'm like, all right. At this point, I'm looking, I'm like, all right, we could do this. I'm squeezing the bottle, squeezing the bottle, squeezing the bottle. I'm like, she's not going to drink this tea if I don't get this honey out to make it sweet. And I said to myself, I said, man, we can do this. Then I go to my, to my drawer and I'm taking out knives and spoons. I'm using the butt of the spoon. I'm trying to gather whatever I can to pull it out. And I said, man, I said, Lord, I said, she, I'm like, I'm right, I'm, I'm almost there, right? She goes, now she's getting antsy. Where's my tea? Where's my tea? And I'm like, okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. And I said, man, if this bottle can give me just a little bit of what it has, it can transform her life. Because we know that honey has these properties in it that allow, allow these things to mingle within us, and it makes us feel better, right? And I said to myself, I said, come on, we can get it. And I'm happy to say that I, after I shoved everything I can find inside of it to pull it out, I was able to get her the tea, and she drank it, the whole half a cup. I only gave her half a cup. And I said... The next day, she woke up. She was like, Mom, I want this, this, and that. I said, there's my child, the one who knows what she wants. And I said this to say, sometimes we feel as though a little bit of us is so insignificant that we ask, can anything come good out of this? Can we give any more? And I want to share with you, because even the, the curiosity of the question that that Nathaniel asked, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And I said, man, what was so bad about Nazareth? And, and so I looked it up, and there was nothing really crazy about Nazareth. The only thing that stood out to me about Nazareth was that it was only a town of 150 to 200 people. That was it. In this small, little, insignificant town. And that was, and that was why he asked the question. And I was like, man, Lord, I said, can anything good come out of that? That makes sense because we go through that. We go, hey, Lord, can anything come out of me giving? Whether it's my time, my talent, my treasure, can anything come, good, come out of it? And I'm here to tell somebody that although there are moments as though we feel like you won't make a difference, if you give of your time, your treasure, or your talent, there will, if you don't do it, there will be a missing piece to complete the mission that God has placed in you. You matter. I started Googling, and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd. You know, we, we, we see the breeze all over the place, and we see, and I, I shared this fact with John. I said, just a little fun fact. I said, it takes 12 bees to make one teaspoon of honey. One. 12 bees. I said, what if one day one of them gets up and says, I'm not doing this? <laughs> We've all seen the, have you guys seen the bee movie? Yes. 
I'm like, now I used to, you know, bees. I'm like, Lord, what's really the purpose of them? You know, I went through that in the summer because I'm like, they always want to be on top of my food. After the bee movie, I was like, yes, Lord, we need them. We need to pollinate the flowers. We need, we need honey, Lord. And Mariah was able to drink her tea because we need the honey, right? And it's, it's, it's through that that we understand it's through their generosity. It sounds crazy, but it's really what it is. It's through the generosity of those bees that we're able to feel better when we drink our honey. And I'm here to tell you that it's through your generosity in the, in the areas of your life that you will affect generations to come. You will affect generations to come. As insignificant as it may sound, right? What if Jesus would have said, hey, Lord, God, you, I'm, I'm going to be born where? That place is tiny. It's insignificant on the map. To this day, it's still insignificant. I read something about Nazareth that said it wasn't even mentioned outside of the New Testament to 4 AD. And it's an ancient city. That's how insignificant it was. But Jesus stepped out of that place and said, hey, what I'm going to do here, how I'm going to give here, is going to change generations to come. And we believe, we believe here at Kuha that giving generously, we will affect the generations to come. We will affect those around us. We will affect the, the city, the world, the, the, everybody we come encounter with because of our generosity. Amen? Amen. Amen. And it's funny because then I started thinking about the Apostle Paul. And have you guys have seen the movie um, Apostle Paul, the, the, I'm sorry, Paul, the Apostle of Christ? Oh, you guys need to see that. I learned some good stuff there too. But I started thinking about the Apostle Paul and how he was incarcerated in Rome. And when, I, and, and when you visually, you know, you, know, you see, think about a jail and you're like, yes, that's a jail. Okay, that's, yeah, you know, four walls, a bed, right? We're also watching 60 Days In on A&E. That's insane. I don't know why somebody would choose to go into jail. But anyway. But it's true. But I'm looking at Paul and I'm thinking to myself, I said, man, if there's a man who felt as if he had nothing else to give, but yet while in prison, he wrote four books, four of the books that he wrote in the New Testament while in prison. While in prison, he gave of himself in order to impart into those around him, in order to impart in the, in the, in the, in the people who he has shepherded. While he was in prison, guys, he's not sitting in a king-size bed with Netflix on TV, drinking champagne in a, in a prison. He's being beaten, battered, and bruised, and yet he said, hey, I need to be generous here. I need to let them know of the Christ that I proclaim. I need to let them know that in their suffering, they can be happy. I need to let them know that in their anxiety, they can see the kingdom of God. I need to let them know that Jesus died for them. He built for them. He did this for them. He gave of himself for them. And in there he wrote, he wrote I, I was reading and I said, man, what did he write about, right? Because we have those four books and he wrote Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon. And where, he can, where I can only think that he felt like he had depleted his resources, that he was depleting himself, right? An older gentleman who was, in, who was thrown in jail and he's thinking to himself, man, what do I have to give here? And then he writes. And then I, I started looking up what, what were the themes of those books, Right? And it says here, he goes, in Colossians, he wrote explicitly to defeat the heresy that had arisen in Colossus that endangered the existence of the church. So while he was sitting in prison, he was thinking about those and, their in, and how, how much danger they were coming close to where the existence of the church would no longer exist. Where the church that he poured into would no longer exist. And he took the time out and he said, hey, I'm, I'm going to give here. 
I'm, they need to hear from me. They need to know. They need to know that I'm here. They need to know that God is there. They need to know that this is important. In Ephesians, he writes, especially that they would understand the great doctrines of the faith and the practical outworkings of the doctrine of Christian behavior. It's interesting that he would write those things, right? Because we know the Christian behavior, right? We know it's all about loving one another, loving God and loving one another. And in my mind, I'm like, wow, Paul, you're sitting in jail being persecuted. But yet you're still telling people, hey, you still got to love. You still got to move forward. You still have to give of yourself. You still have to make sure that everybody understands who Jesus is and who Christ is in you. In the book of, Philippi in the book of Philippians, he writes, it's called the most joyful letter. Go figure. And references to his joy abound within its pages. He encourages the Philippian believer to rejoice in spite of suffering and anxiety, rejoice in service, and continue to look to Christ as the object of their faith and their hope while he's in prison. And I said, and I thought to myself, I said, can we say that Paul gave generously? The life to impart wisdom to others, to teach them the way of Christ. What if he would have decided that he was not going to give his time to do these things? First and foremost, we wouldn't have the new, most of the New Testament, right? It wouldn't exist. But I think in, within him, he understood that it was in him. It was in his core to be a giver. It was in him to be a giver. And it, and it took me all the way back to Genesis, and I'm going to share with you this, because I think that sometimes we feel like, what can we give if there's nothing there? But then the, God reminded me of, of, of certain things, and I was just like, man, Lord, this is insane. Because in Genesis 1.27, he says, so God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 2.7 says, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living being. And what really struck to me about those things, although we have read them time and time again, is really the thought of how God is a giver. And God gives to us, and he gave us his breath of life. And, you know, and, and can we say that he made something out of nothing? He made the entire creation out of nothing. And I'm here to tell you today that although you may feel like you have nothing to give, I'm telling you that if God is in your core, that he created you, he breathed life into you, you are the giver. You are the one who can create nothing out of some, uh, something out of nothing. You are the one who can because you are made in his image. Amen. And he created something out of nothing. He gave us the stars, the sky, the galaxies, the black holes, the wind, the ocean, the animals, the plants, the trees, the buds, the seeds, mosquitoes. That's one question I have when I get up to, just so you guys know. Bees. He gave us these things. And if we know that his, it is his breath in our lungs, we are also capable of these things. We are also capable of being givers. We are also capable of pulling, of drawing out something out of nothing. Amen? It's just so interesting to me. You know, Paul, in 1 Corinthians he writes this, he goes, I planted the seed in your hearts. This is Paul speaking. And Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. And I'm here to share with you today too that the beginning of your depletion is not the end of you 
but the platform on which God will harvest his generosity in you. It is the beginning, it is the continuation of God harvesting within you. You depleting does not, does not stop God. It doesn't. It empowers him. Because it no longer has to do with you, it has everything to do with him. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says this, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Your limitations are not God's walls. Your limitation is not God's wall. He will propel you into newer heights as we continue to give of our time, our treasure, and our talents. In his hands, in the potter's hands, he will mold us in such a way that the generosity will flow out of us, that we will impart into those who are around us for generations to come. Our mindset is not just right here, right now. Our mindset must be the legacy that we will leave behind. I, I can only imagine the Apostle Paul in the jails. You know, who knows, right? That stuff could have fallen on deaf ears. They could have, hey, hey this guy's in jail. He didn't even know what he's talking about. No, no, no. But he said, no, I'm going to write this out because the generations to come need to know this. So in 2019, as we sit here on January 27th, we know that that seed that was planted by him, that God let it grow, that God grew it throughout the generations because of that person's obedience and generosity. It is our evidence. It is our evidence of the seeds that we plant on earth here today, in the seeds that we plant within our children, in the seeds that we plant within our, 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 our colleagues and our brothers and sisters in Christ to know that generations from now, our generosity of those things will be harvested. God is so good. It's so good. There are days that we feel that we don't have anything to give, and those are the days when we must press further to be generous. Those are the days that we must hold on to Jesus. Jesus gave generously. And it's not just through ministry, the healings and the miracles that he created. But Jesus also left his throne to give. You know, I think the, the closest thing that I think that we can visualize it a little bit, it's, it's, it's imagine if, if Bill Gates left it all and decided to live on a street corner. Because that's what Jesus did. He did it for humanity. He did. He left his throne, lived in darkness to give of himself for all of us in this room. He dedicated his life to giving forgiveness, to giving wisdom, healing, and love to all whom he encountered. His deeds are the reason we sit here today. His generosity has captured our hearts. His dying for us has moved us to shout the gospel throughout our city. He did this in his ministry for 33 years. The three years he was in public ministry, and I can't even imagine. We don't know the, the structure of the first 30 years, but... If we know that that is in his core, it is in his DNA to be a giver, I can't even imagine what he did from the things that we don't know, for the things that he weren't written down. It's painful sometimes to give from out of nothing. It's painful. Can I, can I be honest? Yeah? 
Mm, get ready. Get ready. This morning, no, was not a good day. <laughs> Who was it? I'm sitting there and I'm like, Lord, how am I supposed to get up there and pour into somebody else? And not just one person, a whole congregation of people. When I feel the way I do. And I said, man, and I, it, it, was, it was really bad. And you guys know, for those who know me, know that I wear it on my face. I'm working on that, right? But as I was revisiting my sermon, and I said, man, Lord, isn't it crazy how it becomes so real to me because this is exactly how I feel and exactly what I'm experiencing. Where I feel where my resources are limited and I feel like my soul is being depleted, literally. Sometimes I feel like my brain will not shut off. But yet you're saying to me, hey, that's not my limitation. If you give and you impart and you pour out yourself of what I have poured into you, I have breathed life into you, then you will know that you can impart into others. It will overflow. It will, it, will, it, will, it, it will lift up my name. They will understand. I'm like, they're going to understand, Lord, but they will understand it's all about Jesus. It's all about lifting up the name of Jesus. As we share in generosity with our time and our treasure and our talent, it is always about Jesus. And as we were worshiping, I told the Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for ever making it about me. Forgive me for ever thinking that it has anything to do with me. And it always has everything to do with you. And how you pour into me and how I overflow because of your love for me. Because your love has captured my heart. Because your goodness has captured my heart. Because your mercy has captured my heart. There are days where I don't even feel like getting out of bed, but I'm like, Lord, you got this. Amen. I think about Jesus as he was walking in on his way to Calvary. Every step more painful than the last. As, he holding, as he's literally holding the world on his shoulders. Understanding that he needed to give of himself so that we may live. And it's this, it's this place of, this is this picture of grace that I see as he takes every step forward and thinking of himself and thinking, man, my human side is depleting. My human side is falling apart. But man, I see Gypsy. But man, I see Jaquette. But I see Victor. I see Zab. I see Bianca. I see Drew. I see Myra. It calls for me to keep giving of myself so those generations may live, so the generation around me may live, so that person next to me may live, so the person that's spitting on me and screaming at me and telling me that I'm a blasphemer may live. It is, it is calling of me. It hurts. It hurts to give of your time. It hurts to give of your talent. It hurts to give of your treasure, especially when you feel like you have nothing left to give. But I'm here to tell you today that Jesus, Jesus empowers you to do that because what he has, what he has sold in you will overflow and reap in such a way that you guys can't even imagine. 
I tell, I, I, I went to see my, my godfather's, my godmother's father, and, and he's 80, and he's in a bad state. And Friday, I walked out of the hospital, and I broke down in tears. He's been, and then I started thinking, he's been in my life my whole life, since I was born. But you know those things that I remember from him when, when I was younger? Was him coming home and me sitting with him and him spending the time with me. I'm not, no, by no means blood. But I remember sitting with him and him spending the time with me. And those are the things that I never got to tell him that. And he's possibly on his deathbed. But those are the things that we, we must remember when we sow into someone, when we sow our talent, when we sow our money, when we sow our, 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 our time. That you may not see what's happening right now, but you will see. But somebody down the line will, will see that fruit. Somebody down the line will reap that harvest. And it's okay that it's not you. And it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I'm sure the Apostle Paul had no idea that this was, you know, he died. Who knows? What if the church would have stopped right there? But the beautiful part of that is that it had nothing to do with him. It had everything to do with Jesus. Nothing to do with him, everything to do with Jesus. People, the people who followed Paul, who heard about Paul, could have been like, man, he died, that's it, this is it for me. But it's only because Paul planted the seed. Because he said, hey, there's a guy named Jesus who died for you. Hey, there's a guy named Jesus who gave his life for you. There's a guy named Jesus who, who was generous, who was generous, who walked this earth for you. And we reap that harvest here today. And we see that here today. And we know about God and we know about Jesus because God is a giving God. He gives. This is what he does. He gives and he imparts in us and he, he, he gives us so we can overflow. No matter what is going on around us. No matter what battles we're fighting. No matter what we don't see and what we do see. It doesn't matter because God gave us generously. He gave us, he gave generously to us. So that we can go out and spread and lift up the name of Jesus. And what's a beautiful sight when you see somebody who you have spent the time with or shared your talent with and you see them lifting up the name of Jesus. I'm believing that for our children. I'm believing that for our children who are sitting down in children's ministry right now. All we got to do is plant the seed of who God is. And generations to come, and I'm, I'm going to keep on saying it, generations to come, because we may not see it now. We may not see the fruit of our generosity now. We may not see it across the world. We may not see those who, we, who, 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 who Kuhau gives. Who, we may not see the drug addicts that Kuhau will help to lift up. We may not see that. We may not see the orphans that we have in our, in our care. We may not see that. But I'm believing that one day when they get older, they say, hey, there was a little church down in Staten Island. I don't even know where that is, but guess what? They cared for me. They wanted to know about me. They supported me, and I know Jesus because of them. God is a giver. Job 33, 4 says this, the spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. It says, Exodus 33, 14 says, and he said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Psalms 29, 11 says, the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. 
even more so when you feel as if nothing good can come out of it. Even more so when we ask ourselves that question all the time. What good can come out of this, Lord? I'm a thinker, so that it kills me softly, but those are the things that, that we, 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 we deal with as, as, as we grow older and as we work and as we have responsibilities. What good can come out of this little thing that I have here? What good can come out of my hands when it's, when it's so insignificant? You know, and we sound and we sound like we sound like Nathaniel. What good can come out of that place? And sometimes we're surrounded by people who say, "What good can come out of you?" I know your past. I know what you've done. I know what you didn't do. I know I know the secrets that your mama don't even know. And you're gonna tell me that something good's coming out of you? And God is saying, "Yeah," because in due time I will create. I will harvest that generosity within you. The worship team can come up. We are made in the image of a giving God. And as we stand firm in that position, we know that because of that, we're able to be givers. We are able to give generously. We are able to help those in need. We are able to give of ourselves. We are able to share with everybody our time, our treasure, and our talent. We are able to see God, to lift up God, to see him for who he is in us, and then have others see who God is in us. From nothing, from nothing, unless we have billionaires in the house. No? Not yet. <laughs> Amen. But it is difficult to see sometimes, and I, I am here to say to you today and encourage you guys that as we give generously, as we, as, we, as we give of ourselves, as we give of our time and our treasure, as we give and we allow God to move within us, and allow, God to, and allow God to use us and allow God to, to breathe on us and to allow God to show us these little glimpses of our lives where he's saying, hey, out of that little nothing, I can create much. Out of that little nothing, I can do this. The good thing is that multiplication is all on his part, not on ours. All on his part. We give the very little and he is faithful, the, and he is faithful the rest of the way. And as, as we heard, as, you know, as Lena mentioned and Fran earlier today during our, lead, our huddle, it was powerful to know that she, in her very little, God was very faithful. In her very little. Don't ever think that you cannot. Because you can. Because you can. Because you have something to say. Because you have something that will help somebody come alongside of you. We went to see the women yesterday, and I was thinking about that this morning, and I said, man, I can, there was about 11 of us, and I was so excited, so excited to go bless those women in the Good Council home. And I looked at all the women, and I said, each and every one of these women who were standing here of the 11 that we went, I said, I can probably say how they probably feel like they have nothing to give. But yet, they stood there, and they imparted into those women into that, into, in, in that, in that home. And they were able to share with them their stories and the little bit of time we had and the joy that it was to see their kids running around and the joy it was to kind of just love on their children and the joy that it was. And it's all because, it's all because I think we stand in this position that we are givers. We are givers. It's in our core.
It was in Paul. It was in Peter. It was in John. It was in Matthew, in Luke, in Mark. They all imparted all the Lord gave them generously. They left everything, sacrificed everything to proclaim the gospel. They gave generously so that we can reap those benefits. We give generously. So 2,000 plus years from now, the seeds planted now can become full bloom. As small as the seed may seem to be now, even as though, as though there are days where we, are, we ask how giving out of our time, talent, and treasure will measure up, we are the difference makers. So we can impart so the world can know Jesus. I'm going to have you guys stand. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.